Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, what is up? This is Podcast Rebellion once again, second time this week. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me once again, friend of the program, Ole Miss's digital reporter, Brian Rippey. What's up, man? How you doing? Not much. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, man. Doing well, you know, just uh, trying to desperately come up with something to talk about this week as Ole Miss takes on two and five Arkansas, who is limping into Oxford, to say the least. Um, you've been around the team post Shea Patterson uh, out for the year. I mean, what is the mood of, uh, I mean, primarily Jordan Tamu, who's going to be um, taking over under center, obviously. But um, how do you think this team's going to bounce back after a huge, huge loss at home? Uh, not many people thought they were going to win, but just nonetheless, losing at home to LSU, how do you think they're going to be uh, 11 a.m. kick this week? I mean, I, it just seems like at a certain point you kind of get numb to it all, or at least it seems like they have. I mean, they've gone through so much, you know, even before this season started. I mean, losing a starting quarterback is, I mean, if you rank it on the things that have happened to this team in the last 18 months, that might be like, third or fourth on the list when in most programs is number one. So, I mean, I think they've rallied around him as best they can. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, the outlook for the season, I think they're just – I think they've really kind of got it ingrained in their heads that, you know, they've got five opportunities left to go play football this year. You know, some of them, I mean, it is a young team, but, I mean, for a couple of them it is their last at Ole Miss. And so I, I think seeing, you know, Jordan have success um, when he was in the game the other night helped him a little bit. Um, I'm sure knowing the opponent is limping just as bad as not worse helps. But, I mean, Matt Luke's job was an almost impossible task to keep these kids motivated, but it, it seems like he's done a pretty good job of that to this point. So, I mean, that's one thing that I think we could talk about, and then you've been around the team as well. And regardless of how bad the defense has been, they're three and four. And they seem to still fight and play hard in games where there really isn't any doubt that they're they're not going to win. Um, and that's just kind of been something despite the, you know, they're not having much success. But it, it, it's been, it's certainly been a theme that they're playing hard regardless. So, for those of you that have been waiting on the team to give up and just to completely fail on this season, they haven't done it yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as Arkansas goes, I mean, they are in w- worse shape than Ole Miss. Down their starting quarterback, uh, down their starting center, down their starting running back. I mean, it's, it is really bad. Um, I, I mean, 
Arkansas coming in just completely deflated. I mean, it's a home game. It's 11 a.m. kick. I mean, how do you see Ole Miss handling adversity here, bouncing back against a really bad Arkansas team? I, I think they, I think they, I think they can. And I mean, you, you hit it on the head as Arkansas comes in here limping. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they look at it as an opportunity to win an SEC game. I mean, you know, five years from now or even a year from now. You know, people are going to – I mean, if they can finish three and five or, you know, heaven forbid, maybe four and four or something like that, you know, nobody's going to look – nobody's going to really remember how bad the league was. They're just going to kind of remember that, you know, the Ole Miss, you know, finished four and four or three and five or whatever it is. So I think they look at it as an opportunity to get another win. Um, I mean, really anything that positive that can happen in this program right now would be welcomed, um, certainly by them. And I, I think – I mean, I, they would never say this, but I, I think – you know, they realize this is a team this week that they can actually compete with, unlike some other weeks. Um, and you're right. I mean, they, they have, I mean, that's one thing you have to credit this team for is they haven't quit at all. I mean, you know, a lot of times the talent is not there, especially, you know, at linebacker on defense and in some other spots. But they do play hard. I mean, you can't fault them for that. Um, I, I think when you had that whole deal where DeMarcus Lodge didn't see the football on that pick six at Alabama – I mean, I know, like, social media-wise, I got a bunch of crap in my mentions or whatever about, you know, DeMarcus Lodge giving up or whatever, which was not the case. He didn't see the – he thought the football hit the ground and stopped. And so, you know, since that's really the only thing that naysayers have really been able to point to as far as, oh, this team might have given up. And obviously, you know, four weeks later or whatever it is now, that isn't the case. So, I like I said, I think they look at it as a, t- a chance to beat an SEC team, and it's a very winnable game. It's a game at home, and they only have three of them left this season. And so, I mean, I think they're going to go out and give it give it all they have, just like they have every other week, and just kind of see where the chips fall. So you mentioned, you know, this team still playing well despite, you know, being matched up against some, some good teams. I mean, the losses this year, um, you know, you lose that one to Cal on the road, but We've talked about it before. You had, um, you know, Sean Rawlings went down. Everything kind of went to hell up front. Um, but then the other losses, I mean, you lose to Alabama, you lose to Auburn, and you lose to LSU. Across the board, more talented than Ole Miss, um, just better players. And then I think, you know, um, you certainly don't – you're certainly not outcoached against LSU. It's people that were, you know, oh, Ed Orgeron outcoached. Ole Miss, like, no, that was not it at all. It was just LSU had better players, um, you know, without a doubt. But so this team, I would say, has definitely this weekend and Louisiana Lafayette for sure. Kentucky's kind of a toss-up. Those are three games that you have good matchups and are capable to match up against those teams. I mean, do you feel the same way? Because, I, I mean, I would say A&M and State are definitely bad matchups, and they have better players at important positions. Kentucky's yeah. kind of a toss-up. But, I mean, matchups and talent across the board-wise, that's three games that you could win. No, yeah, I mean, there there is – I mean, as, as, as absurd as it seemed at times this year, I mean, there is a path to six wins. I mean, you, you, you know, Arkansas obviously is a very beatable team this weekend, and that they obviously need to take care of business that first things first. And then, you know, you do have ULL, which you should win that, you know, 
barring some Houston nut type deal where a Louisiana directional school <laughs> comes in here and wins by three touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they can match up with them. I think they can most certainly match up with Kentucky. I, I heard something on the radio last week leading into that state game. that Some guy was calling Kentucky the worst five and one team in the history of football. And I, I, I was laughing, but that that might not be too far from true. I mean, they struggled with was it, I can't remember was it Eastern Kentucky or Eastern Michigan they had that they really struggled with. Was, I mean, other than yeah, it was EKU because I was at the bar at watching that game and the UT Martin on this game at 11 a.m. and it was you know just absolutely just lovely to watch those two games at the same time at 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. I bet the drinks were flowing, but yeah, so like I mean. They've struggled with them, and that, that's a home game they struggle with. I mean, you could argue – you can make the argument, other than Cal, Ole Miss won – they've won every game they were supposed to win or had a shot at winning this year. I mean, aside from, you know, things going to hell in the second half at Cal. So, yeah, they do have three winnable games left. And you do, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and say they can match up and beat Mississippi State or A&M, but those two schools aren't Alabama and Auburn, and – Right now, they don't look like they're as good as LSU. I would be really interested to see Mississippi State and LSU play right now. Um, you know, kind of with the way that Matt Canada – it took a while. It seemed like it took a while for Matt Canada's offense to kind of sink in um, at LSU, and they still struggle with throwing the football. Uh, but they, they're running it very well, and they're playing a heck of a lot better than they were in September. So, yeah, I mean, they have three winnable games left, and then I, I guess you just go on the road and see what happens in those last two. I mean – if you can look back at the end of this season, as long as it's felt like, and you sit there at six and six, I mean that you got to feel pretty good about yourself going into the next year. And you know, NCAA sanctions aside, the Kentucky game is looking a little better early in the year. You know they're still five and one. I mean, or are they still five and one? Or are they? No, they're. I guess they're five and two now because state five and so two. Um, yeah, because state just obliterated them. That's, you know, it's kind of looking better than it was earlier in the year when they were impressive. And, um, you know, now they've been dismantled by state. Um, You know, they haven't looked great. I mean, they lose that weird one to Florida, had it in the bag, won an impressive game at South Carolina against the, you know, oddly South South Carolina team that's still kind of weird and no one can figure out. But losing on the road to state like that is just, you're going to get obliterated. They're going to have a huge game against Tennessee this week. So you're, they're going to be coming off a big emotional rivalry game. Ole Miss could catch them in a weird spot, but it's on the road, and Ole Miss has just been bad. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like uh, criticism and everything aside, as bad as they have looked, this team could honestly very well be um, – I, I mean, they could be a 4-3 and three team right now. Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely could. I mean, if things don't go to hell in the second half at Cal, I mean, you're sitting here at four and three, and it's just it feels like the way they've lost some games, it's a lot more demoralizing than it has. Like the sixty-six to three, and then the first half at Auburn. I mean, it, it almost felt like you know three or four losses in a row, but it you know it was just the two back to back. Obviously, I mean, it was three in a row with Cal, but I mean, you get my point that it felt a lot worse than it actually was. And so yeah, I mean they're they're I mean there are a lot of teams sitting at three and four right now with the chance to you know whether it, you know it spirals to four and eight or you know six and six or so, something of that nature. So I mean they have just as good a chance as anybody to try to you know get it to five hundred to end the year. 
Yeah, it is pretty crazy that, you know, hindsight, if Sean Rawlings doesn't get hurt, um, you know, the – because, I mean, that's the thing that, that that's so funny about that Cal game. They scored 16 points in 17 minutes. And then as soon as Sean Rawlings gets hurt, I mean, the offense completely falls apart. Um, regardless of what, you know, people are saying, well, the Cal players knew what was happening. They, they knew the plays were coming. Well, they might have, you know, known the plays were coming in the beginning of the game, and they certainly weren't stopping it. So. But that's neither here nor there. The, you know, the year, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, kind of a wash at this point. But it's going to be an interesting game this weekend. Arkansas is down. Austin Allen, who's, you know, when he's healthy, one of the better quarterbacks. Uh, Chase uh, Hayden is out for the year with a leg injury. Frank Ragno is out for the year. Um, so Arkansas is going to be limping in with a redshirt freshman quarterback um, and really no identity. They they really don't do what Brett Bielema teams have been known for. They they don't really run downhill, and that's how you beat Ole Miss, clearly. Um, but, I mean, that's honestly what they're going to try to do. So something's got to give. Um, you know, looking at the pick center here, I mean, according to ESPN, I mean, Ole Miss is, is picked to win 33-29. to 29. Um, The spread's still three and a half. Uh, just a weird game. Uh, 11 a.m. kick. I mean, I think Arkansas, a little bit of a road trip for them. They're, maybe you bank on them coming out and being sleepy and, you know, being the home team, you can get things done. But uh, before we move on, um, just what what are your – what's your feeling on how you think Tamu will play this weekend? I mean, he looked pretty good against LSU in garbage time, had a couple good drives. I, I – I want to get your opinion first before I talk about how I think things are going to go and the kind of situation that's unique to Longo here. But how do you think that he's going to handle it? Um, yeah, I think they'll try to get the football out of his hands, you know, fairly quickly. Um, I would be shocked if you know they throw it vertically like they do on you know some of those deep balls that Shea could throw to DK or AJ or whoever it may be. I think they'll try to work the middle of the field and get it out of his hands relatively quickly and get it to guys. I mean, the 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 heart of this offense is quite obviously the receiver, so I think they'll try to let A.J. Brown and, you know, and a couple other guys make some plays on the perimeter. Another kid that might actually see some more touches this week would be Braylon Sanders. He's kind of a quick, speedy slot guy. Um, that, to me, seems like a good matchup in this game if you're trying to get the ball out of a you know inexperienced quarterback's hands really quickly. Um, so I think they'll do a lot of that. I think they'll do a couple more design runs because, I mean, Tamu can run. It's just, I mean, it's it's he's a different type of runner in, in Shea in the sense that Shea has that Manziel feel to him to where he extends plays with his feet. That I mean, you know, Tamu can, um, you know, do some design runs. And I think, you know, Matt Luke said that today they're going to try to do that. It won't necessarily be between the tackles because, you know, if if he does take a big hit and gets beat up really bad, I, I have no idea what they would do after that. I mean, you could see, <laughs> I mean, you could see um, Pellerin get some snaps. I mean, Dawson Knox was technically a quarterback in high school. Um, the Pe- you know, Matt the Lee, Pellerin brief will be back. Yeah, good lord, I, I can only imagine that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I so they have to be a little careful with it. But I think they'll do some design runs for him on the perimeter. 
and then try to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Um, you know, one thing that will be interesting to watch this week is that Sean Rawlings is probably not going to play. Um, they, you know, Matt said today after practice that he's going through a concussion protocol, and you know, he, he'd be pretty surprised if he were ready for Saturday. Um, they do, they will have Jordan Wilkins. Um, he class, Matt classified him as probable today. Um, with his ankle issue or whatever it was, and so I think they'll, they'll use, I think you'll see a lot of him and Eric Sweeney, and hopefully some more uh, Blue Pinnaman. Um, he's kind of a guy that's faded in the last couple of weeks. I think part of that is credited to how well Jordan Wilkins has run. But yeah, depending on how healthy Jordan is, I don't know how if you can kind of call on him to be the bell cow he has been the last couple of weeks. I think you'll see more running backs and more short throws is what I would I would look for as far as a game plan. So my thing that that I was uh, alluding to was um, the the type of success that um, Phil Longo had at, at Sam Houston State. So um, interesting, you know, comparison or I guess just a coincidence here that he, um, while he was at Sam Houston State, his all everything quarterback Jeremiah Briscoe. Um, was battling some injuries, and so he was having to split time with his backup. So he wasn't completely out for the year, um, but was still able to, um, you know, kind of work those two in and out. So Briscoe was definitely not the same quarterback that Shea Patterson is, but then the backup, and I'm for the life of me, uh, Jared Johnson is his name, um, his skill set is very similar to uh, Jordan Tamu, so a little more of a dual-threat guy, true runner, um, and then Briscoe was more of your guy who was spreading the ball around, throwing it all over the yard like Shea does. So he has experience with, you know, a quote-unquote two-quarterback system and then letting, you know, a guy come in and, you know, spell the starter and kind of cater the offense to a a dual-threat guy. Do you think that that's going to be what – Ole Miss does. I mean, I think that's what's for the best. I don't think it would serve Ole Miss well if they tried to turn him into Shea Patterson. Um, I think they need to let him be an athlete and to let him really run and and, and do his own thing. Do you think that's what's going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll run – I mean, they won't run any quarterback power between the tackles, but I do think they'll try to get him in space on the outside and see if he can run a little bit on some design run plays and you know, a lot. I, it'll be interesting to see how the run, uh, the RPOs go, because you know Shea was more liable to you know pull it out of the running back's hands and throw it, whereas I, I could see Tamu pulling it out of his hands and running it a lot more. So I think they'll utilize that in a lot more play action, um, you know, as opposed to just some drop straight drop back down the field passing. Because you're right. I mean, he's not he's not Shea Patterson. I mean, he doesn't throw it like Shea Patterson. He, I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have the experience either, even if he could throw it like Shea Patterson did. So, you know, Longo didn't – Longo seemed pretty adamant about how he didn't want to consolidate things. But, I mean, I, I mean, it, I think it's fairly obvious at this point you're going to have to, to a degree, um, to kind of suit some of his strengths. So, I think they'll find a core couple of plays or a couple of looks that he does well and try to, you know, put some wrinkles into that and um, just kind of see where it goes from there. I do think they'll utilize his feet. Um you know, with some design run plays and try to make him feel a little more comfortable, which you saw a little bit of when he was in the game um, against LSU. And I think, 
you know, Matt said it today that, you know, his success against LSU, albeit a small sample size, kind of encouraged some of the guys and gained them some credibility. I mean, he went – I mean, it was at the end of the game, but he went 66 yards and scored a touchdown against LSU's defense. And then, you know, before the half, before halftime or whatever, he, you know, went down and got him three points. So he he had the ability to move the ball. I mean, it's, it's not like he went in there and was just completely overwhelmed. So I think if they call some of the similar stuff they did last week, and I think you'll see a couple of wrinkles off of that. But they'll definitely try to keep it simple and keep it consolidated for him. But I, I think he has a fighting chance to do okay. So aside from the game this week and, and finishing up the season, just trying to just salvage some wins, get through the year, um, the main focus is obviously on who's going to be the next head coach. Um, so you're on the ground there in Oxford. You're around the media. You're around the staff. Obviously, the, the, the coaches aren't going to say anything. Ross Gore's not going to say anything. But, you know, who are the names that you think are going to be in the mix in your opinion, and then if if any rumblings on the ground there are hinting at anyone in particular, um, who would they be? I think it's hard to gauge right now because it still is just late October. Um, you know, and, and Ross said, told, said that to Antonio today in that story, but I, I think it was already pretty well known that, you know, this, this thing is going to pick up in early to mid-November as coaches start getting fired and dominoes start to fall. But I, I think it's your typical guys that, you know, that would come to the forefront of most people's minds, whether it's Mike Norvell at Memphis or, you know, Chad Morris at SMU or Frank Wilson, or you could go the coordinator route and uh, the guy at Penn State whose name is escaping me right now for whatever reason, um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt. Joe, I mean, I, I think, Joe Moorhead. Yeah, 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 um, Joe Moorhead. And so I, I, I think, you know, it's it's the typical guys that you would think right now, um, I don't think I like I, I don't think Ross Bjork has. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think he has a short list right now. Um, I think he's going to kind of wait till mid-November to kind of zero in on some guys because there are a lot of dominoes in this thing that is still have to fall. I mean, you, you I mean for an example today, I was talking to somebody about Mike Norvell going to Arkansas, but I mean, if things get really hairy, I mean, Gus Mal. I've heard from a couple of people, you know, Gus Malzahn is actually a legitimate possibility to go to Arkansas, as crazy as that may seem, which would make Norvell, you know, a pretty real possibility to Ole Miss. So there, there are a lot of dominoes that kind of need to fall. Um, there are going to be jobs that open up. There are going to be more coaches that get fired. Um, I think they're going to need to see how crowded the market is for coaches. I mean, it, it would help Ole Miss a lot if, you know, someone didn't leave. And, you know, I, I guess Tennessee's a lost cause at this point. But you don't want to have, you know, max axings across the conference and really across the country. I mean, Ole Miss would do better with, you know, three SEC coaching jobs open as opposed to – I was counting today. I mean, there, there could legitimately be six SEC new uh, head coaches in the SEC next year. I mean, depending on how bad things get at Florida or Missouri or even Auburn to end the year. So, I mean, you got you to gotta account for how crowded the marketplace of coaches is going to be. and then. I, you don't even have a full candidate pool right now because you don't know who's going to get fired and who's not. So, like I said, I think it would be kind of your usual guys that would come to the forefront of most people's minds. I think it'll become a lot more clear, I would say, towards you know mid to late November when you get towards the end of the season. I think you'll have a much better idea, and I think you know some names will start to leak out as to who is actually legitimate candidates for this thing. 
it's interesting that you brought up the, the Malzahn to Arkansas rumors. And I think that that, you know, you said that it seems like it could be a real possibility. And, you know, if I was Gus Malzahn, I would be looking at it pretty hard right now because um, for several reasons. You're obviously from there. You've coached there before. Um, you were, you know, for the most part, generally liked there. The, the Mitch Mustaine thing didn't really work out, but I don't think many blamed him for it. Most blamed Houston Nutt. Um, but as far as Auburn goes, it, it's it's a really tough job because you're in the same state as Nick Saban. Recruiting is hard because you're recruiting against Nick Saban. And then, honestly, that job, if you do not beat Alabama and you don't beat Georgia, the fan base and everybody is unhappy. And right now, Nick Saban's not really showing any signs of getting ready to retire. And that job's not going to get any easier with him there. So I feel like this is a great time for him to get out because if Ole Miss were to win this weekend, that might just put the proverbial nail in Burt's in Bert's coffin because they're definitely not happy. They're really not playing his style. And, and I've heard people say that Arkansas is kind of ready for a rebrand. They might want to go back to running the spread, and that's what Malzahn does. And like you said, that would be ideal for Ole Miss fans because if Malzahn were to go to Arkansas, then that would almost definitely, definitely not 100% guarantee, but you're definitely going to have Mike Norvell's attention because right now everybody says that he is essentially waiting for Arkansas to open up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think they'll take a you know a hard look at Norvell as is, but de- definitely more so if you know that Arkansas Arkansas job gets closed up by Malzahn or somebody else. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really know what to make of the whole Burt situation. I mean, you like. Conventional wisdom would say he's pretty much done regardless of what happens this year, but, I mean, you never know. College college football can be real weird. I mean, you had that deal a couple of years ago where, where Les was essentially fired and then had that emotional win over Texas A&M to end the year and, you know, leave us standing there in the press conference and just, like, literally can't bring himself to actually fire the guy. So, I, I mean, I would think Burt's probably done. Um I, I but I I mean I guess anything could still happen but yeah I mean I I think there's a lot of lot of pieces that need to fall into place before you get a much clearer idea, um, you know I I think Ole Miss will cast a wide net hopefully and kind of give a hard look at a bunch of different guys, um, but yeah I, like I said I think it'll be much more clear the last couple of weeks of November, um, who that you know legitimate candidates are as opposed to right now. And, and, it, and, you know, Ross Dorkin, like you alluded to that that interview with, with Antonio Morales, I mean, he did mention that it'll things are going to heat up here in November. But it is nice. You know, Ole Miss kind of has the luxury of waiting to see how everyone finishes this year. Um, there are some names out there that um, are potential, potential candidates, but, you know, a guy like Frank Wilson, been impressive at UT San Antonio, but – you know, if he stumbles down the stretch, Ole Miss cannot they, – they just can't hire a Conference USA coach that goes 7-5. and five. They're going to need him to, you know, go 9-3, and three, um, maybe win a bowl game, go 10-3. and three. They're going to have to have him – I mean, you just can't hire someone who cannot really get it done in Conference USA. Now, I'm not saying that just completely eliminates him, but, you know, someone like him – uh, for me, another guy that's really popped up, a really young 
uh, brand-new coach, Jason Candle, at Toledo. Um, he's going to have to just continue to dominate the MAC to really get a hard look from the Ole Miss administration, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, someone like Frank Wilson, he cannot continue to stumble. Same with Neil Brown at Troy. You have the big win against LSU, but then you turn right around and lose to South Alabama. So um, these these uh, these candidates, you know, Scott Frost, he, he's killing it right now. They're undefeated. What happens if he just completely stumbles and boggles the rest of their season? Is he still going to be as hot of a candidate? Um, you know, Charlie Strong, undefeated at South Florida. You know, I still think that Ole Miss should give him a look. Um, it, it is nice that, that Ole Miss will have that luxury to – see how things shake out. And then, like you said, there, there's a lot of jobs that might be in flux. So candidates, the, the, the board will be affected by other positions uh, opening up. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation for sure for, for Ross Gork to uh, have to, to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll it, it'll be fascinating to watch this whole deal play out. I mean, there, there's so many forces at work here, and you know that we've talked to talked about all that almost in circles, and then you haven't even taken the NCA sanctions into account. I mean, what if it is bad and it is a second year bowl ban? I mean, what do you do from there? I mean, obviously your candidate pool probably shrinks to a degree. Uh, how much? I have no idea. So I mean, <laughs> there is a lot of stuff going on here, and. It's. I mean, only time will tell. So I think once the calendar hits November, I think it'll you know pretty much become clear by the week, if not by the day. Sometimes. You know that is kind of funny that you you mentioned that, and I really haven't said anything about it this, this whole episode. But people have the the NCAA COI thing has kind of become an afterthought, and, and I don't know if that's because people feel like Ole Miss has a chance to escape without anything else happening, but um, it is, you know, definitely a factor. If they get another bull ban, that'll definitely affect some candidates, but I mean, right now I feel like most people think that Ole Miss is going to be fine. I mean, is there any kind of, you getting any notions of that around the team, around the staff? I mean, they're not obviously going to say anything, but I mean, I feel like it's gotten a little quiet. Um, I mean, the, the COI decision was supposed to be coming out six to eight weeks after the meeting, and we are in week six, almost to week seven. So it should be coming out soon. Yeah, I don't think um, – I don't – personally, I don't believe you'll see it until, I would say, November – I mean, I guess I can go and say November 1st at the earliest, but really I don't think it will come out till you know, the se- maybe the second week or November because it is six to eight weeks, but – I mean, is the way that I've never seen the NJ really handle anything efficiently at all, um, really in any respect. So, you know, it could it could literally end up being, you know, the end of November, December before it actually comes out, or it could come out, you know, a week and a half from now. It's 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 really interesting how that might play out. So yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I don't think that. I mean, that's a whole. That's another thing, kind of like the coaching searches. I don't know if there's a way to forecast how this is going to shake out. I mean, to a degree, it's. It's essentially a kangaroo court, so I mean, <laughs> trying to guess the punishment coupled with trying to guess, you know, when it is going to come out is is nearly impossible. I, I'd probably go ahead and say it is just about impossible to try to gauge, you know, what it's going to be and when it's going to come out, which is, like you said, a whole other factor in this whole deal. So, like you said, we will possibly be finding out pretty soon. Um, 
hey, November 1st would be fantastic because then you can really hit the ground running and find you a coach. But uh, I don't expect it to come out until possibly the week of the Egg Bowl or maybe after just because I think the NCAA would love to troll Ole Miss by waiting until the end of the year. Um, But, yeah, so still, you know, candidates are going to start to form with the way other jobs open, the way people finish their year. Um, But, you know, pretty soon um, Ole Miss will be – uh, they'll know their their NCAA fate, and they'll be looking to uh, make a make a hire here pretty soon. Um, but uh, anyway, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Central, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Ole Miss trying to get back to 500 after losing to LSU, and Arkansas is just trying to do something to salvage their season. Um, this is a this is a prime opportunity for for Brett Bielema to get a win because he has owned Ole Miss as of late. But um, I I, I don't know. I, who what do you, what are you, what is your prediction for Saturday? I think Ole Miss wins a really close one just because they're the home team and Arkansas is just really bad. I said thirty three thirty on a, a some radio station in Arkansas this morning, so I guess I'll stand by that. But immediately after I made that prediction, I, I pretty much made it known that was with. Very little confidence because I, I have no idea how you would handicap this game. I mean, they're between the backup quarterbacks and the battered offensive line and the really bad defenses. I I, I don't know how you really are going to try to you know, gauge this one. So I'll go thirty three thirty on this. Just give them the benefit of the doubt because it's at home. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty eight twenty three Ole Miss. Um, winning a close one, just kind of, you know, maybe they can find something uh, with with Jordan Tammy running the football and, um, you know, being aggressive with the play calling, letting him do his thing. But um, that's going to do it here for Podcast Rebellion. Stay tuned. Uh, on the site, we're going to have a, a few more things this week before the game. I know uh, Gray's probably going to have his film review and uh, we'll have some more stuff, and uh, we'll have an open thread, and lots more to go uh, the rest of this week before Ole Miss takes on Arkansas. But, um, Brian, thanks again, man. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and joining the show once again. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to do it. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, man. So uh, you guys can follow Brian on, on Twitter. I believe it's at BSRippy. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. B-S-R-I-P-P-E-E. Yeah, so follow him on Twitter. Uh, also catch all of his uh, his columns on uh, OleMissSports.com. Uh, the, the the one you did on um, uh, the Thornberry was, was really good. Um, and then do you oh, have anything that. that you? Yeah, do you have anything? I'll I'll always get Thornberry and Randolph mixed up whenever I try to think of golfers, <laughs> but. Um, but uh, do you, anything else in the works that's that's coming out anytime soon, or that you've been working on this week? Um, uh, there's a story for in the game program that's uh, kind of interesting on Bree and Tyree, um, the point guard who you know tore his ACL jumping over a ball rack in a dunk contest, you know, in in April of his senior year of high school, and then suited up for. You know, he didn't really miss a game last season, so I I talked to a couple of trainers and um, talked to Brian and some other guys who kind of about how his recovery and just how that exactly, you know, happened in such a short amount of time. So that'll be in the game program this weekend. If you're after the game, uh, we will probably drop that next 
Tuesday, um, I think. So after the game next week, it will hit online. Well, good deal. Well, uh, thanks again, man. Really appreciate your time. <laughs> thanks again for uh, for joining us here on Podcast Rebellion. Uh, stay locked in. On the site, we'll have some good stuff. So for Brian, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. We are out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.